In today's episode of the Sixers Beat, Rich and I preview Thursday's NBA trade deadline, recapping the latest reports and intel and going over potential acquisitions like Kyle Lowry, Norman Powell, Lonzo Ball, George Hill, and more. What would it cost to acquire them? Should the Sixers be interested in those trades? Who would raise their championship odds the most? And where they should pivot to if those trades don't materialize? Enjoy the podcast. All right, welcome everybody. This is Derek Bonner joined by Rich Hoffman on the Sixers Beat, part of the Athletics Podcast Network. We are recording this on the afternoon before the trade deadline. We're recording this on Wednesday afternoon. Uh, We have the trade deadline is 3 p.m. on Thursday. So this podcast will be primarily about what's being discussed, uh, what the possibilities are in terms of the trade deadline. But before we get into, and by the way, the Sixers won another game, which is the only thing they do without Joel Embiid apparently now. Uh, But how you doing, Rich? I'm good, man. I'm I'm excited for this podcast. I'm excited for the trade deadline. The Sixers seem like they have at least a chance to be players. We'll see if that actually happens. But you know, the uh, trade week's always pretty hectic. But uh, I'm excited for some fireworks around the league. Yeah, and there's a lot of rumors out there connected to the Sixers. A lot of them, I think, have the real chance to help the team in the short term. They come with some some concerns in terms of the next contract that a lot of these players will receive. Hmm. Uh, and certainly- by, by the way, let's let, let's just start there. I, I think that has been the most under discussed part of this trade deadline. Sure, we're all talking about this in terms of trying to win a championship this year, and that's the goal, right? You have Joel Embiid in his absolute prime. You have the entire team, like stepping up and potentially getting you home court advantage throughout the playoffs in a situation where they probably shouldn't be doing that. They're they're exceeding expectations. Like this is the Sixers chance to win, but you know, we're going to talk about all these players talk about Lowry. You talk about Lonzo, you talk about Norman Powell, you talk about just the idea of trading Danny green or Matisse Thibel. What this does for next year and the year after, what that does for the Sixers salary cap, um, what that does, like what the owners are willing to pay is a massive part about this. And it is a factor for literally every moving part here. Yeah. The only one that might be an exception is George Hill, just because he shouldn't command that much on the open market. You might not even want to bring him back at his age and injury concern. He's the only one where that next contract isn't a major, major factor in these negotiations uh, and, and whether or not you're getting a rental or a guy who can be around long term, longer term, uh, we'll get into all of that, I guess, as a sort of recap on where things stand. Uh, last night, it was I think it was last night. These days blur together, especially with games that cross over between days. I'm not a fan of West Coast road trips. Hashtag old man reporter <laughs> uh, from Adrian Wojnarowski, uh, the Raptors are discussing Kyle Lowry and Norm Powell deals on multiple fronts, and those talks are expected to extend into Wednesday. Uh, Philadelphia and Miami are interested in Lowry, but both have shown restraint in how far they'll go to get a deal. You then had a follow-up tweet. uh, Beyond Lowry, the Sixers have shown interest in other guards available in the marketplace, including Powell, Lonzo Ball, and George Hill. And then, I believe it was today, uh, Jason Dumas, 
Uh, Philly guy, excellent reporter. Um, Kyle Lowry wants a source. Kyle Lowry wants an extension on a new deal or, or a new deal on the table before he gets traded. Toronto is letting him navigate the situation. He will have some say on where he lands. If he's moved, the Sixers believe acquiring him is a long shot. Uh, now he couldn't actually sign that extension. Now yeah. it would be a, you know, agreement Wink, in place that you would then execute when the season is over. Uh, and there has been a lot of reporting, and I don't have a specific person to attribute this to, in part because it comes from conversations you have with people around the league. But there's a lot of reporting uh, to suggest uh, that that Kyle Lowry might want to end up in Miami over the summer. That would certainly cool the Sixers' interest because he would be a rental. It might also cool Miami's interest in him because if they feel like they can get him in the summer for nothing, why give up Tyler Hero or Duncan Robinson when you can sign him outright in a couple of months? You would obviously then not have him for the stretch run, uh, but that factors into it on both both the Sixers and the Miami side of things. And certainly from the Sixers, when you start talking about a rental, what you're willing to give up is far less. You might still go up something. I would still go up something uh, because the chance of pairing Lowry with Embiid during this MVP season does have some pretty significant value, I think, in the Sixers side, but it does temper what you'd be willing to offer to some degree. Uh, I think there was a report out there that Kyle Lowry was looking for what it was two years, 50 million, something in that range, something in a 25 to $30 million per year range. Uh, that is a spicy meatball right there, but yeah, that's sort of where we stand. I guess we'll just open it up. We'll start off with Lowry, obviously, because I think he's front of mind for a lot of people, but what are your thoughts on sort of all of that? Um, you know, there's a lot of pe- there's been a lot of reporting over the past few weeks about what Kyle Lowry wants and. You know, it's still unclear to me. Um, you know, you you hear that he wants to be in Philly. You hear that he wants to be uh, in Miami. It certainly seems to me, that regardless of what he wants, it, it seems like there's a good chance he's going to get traded. Just, just yeah. you know, after a few weeks ago, there was some noise out of Toronto that he, he's not going to get traded before the deadline. But their their circumstances have changed. Even They've gone even worse. I mean, they're... They've had the season from hell, and uh, you know I think the the question that they have to ask is the same one the Sixers do: like, are we going to pay this guy past this year? And obviously, there is a there's an emotional attachment with Kyle Lowry in in Toronto in that franchise. If you wanted to say he's the greatest Raptor ever, I, I don't think you would get much argument considering how much he has accomplished there and uh, the the title that they've won. Um, I, I guess, yeah, if, if if you're the Sixers, it goes back to what I mentioned at the top of this podcast. Like, if, if you're going to pay Kyle Lowry $25 million over the next couple of years, that uh, that tax bill is going to get pretty high. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. It's uh, uh, And again, a lot of people probably don't care how much money Josh Harris spends, and I totally get that. But it does put some restrictions on the moves you can make when you're over that apron threshold. Uh, it put, puts restrictions on the mid-level you can offer, uh, which gets cut back down. Uh, it puts restrictions on the, you get a, you get a lower mid-level, puts restrictions on a sign-and-trade deals that you can execute. There are restrictions that come with that. Uh, now, if you believe Kyle Lowry is going to be a productive player for the rest of this year and the next two years, then those restrictions are worth it. You're not going to get a better player with a mid-level, um, even the non-taxpayer mid-level, on a um you know on that but yeah it it would be restricting for sure for sure 
And I mean, when we talk about how the Sixers are playing right now, if you trade Thibel, that's a cheap player who you can, we, we can talk about whether Matisse can stay on the court in, in the playoffs. That is a rotation player who makes what, like three, $4 million for the next two years? I think maybe even less. Yeah. Okay. It, it, it's small. That's it's a small. late first round picks um, salary. You look at Maxi, pretty much the same spot. He's got some work to do, but. Would I be surprised if he's a rotation player in two years making less than what he's actually giving the Sixers on a on a normal night? No, I, I wouldn't be. And and these are the these are the things that you have to weigh. Um like I, I think Kyle Lowry would really help the Sixers personally. To uh two point seven on Matisse this year. Yeah. For the record. So that is uh that is what what you are weighing. I mean, I, I would also say to have Danny Green's bird rights and to be able to sign him just at a lower contract, maybe you know, next year. I guess it wouldn't matter because you're trying to get him at a lower number. But you know, losing him is not nothing either. Uh, it is. It's a very interesting decision because, as we've said, I think Kyle Lowry is an awesome fit with this crew. Um, I, I think the fact that he has played in all of these playoff games can, uh, can do a bunch of different things. Like he would, he would really help there is very much a world in which he tips the scales into their, uh, into their favor. But there are other reasons why you might not want to acquire him. And I I guess it, it just goes back to what does he want? Does he want to be in Philly and what type of contract does he want in the, uh, in the future? And, how much do you care about that if you're the Sixers? Yeah, I still think if you can get it for Maxi and a first, I think I would still do that. Even if you're not 100% sure that you will bring him back next summer. And that's risky, and I get it. But I do look at passing on a chance to really compete for a finals run this year as risky too. And I think Kyle gives you significantly better chances to do that it does change the equation if you include matisse instead of maxi and i think a month ago when we first had this conversation i would have rather included it was flipped matisse rather than it has flipped in part because when you're losing danny green you need another wing defender to sort of step into that role and not that you're going to ask matisse to play 30 minutes a night and be your team leader in three-point shooting like danny green currently is who by the way danny green's playing pretty good basketball right he's now. playing awesome right now as, he's playing real good basketball as a role right player now. like look i get that he has his weaknesses he's been I, now obviously he had the crazy game in new york where he's making pump fake threes and all that yeah. that's not gonna happen and i understand that you know come playoff time danny green even though he has won a bunch of rings mr mr three rings uh i understand that you know he, he is the type of player who you're not uh you're not holding on to as like a guaranteed playoff initiator, that type of guy. Like I, I understand how the the upgrade to Lowry is uh, is a serious deal. But yeah, now that you mention it, I, I do think if if they trade for Lowry, Matisse, it's it's funny that you know it was reported that Maxi was the uh, was kind of the the line of demarcation in the Harden trade. In the Harden trade. Now that's yeah, different. They, bullshit. Yeah. That's different. Ben Simmons was already on the on the table, so you're the amount of compensation you're, you're giving is, is certainly different there. 
But to me, you're right. Thibault probably is that line this time because you have a team, like we've said, of a lot of combo guards, a lot of twos, a lot of, you know, point guards. And if you're acquiring Lowry, who can certainly, you know, nobody in the world can post him up. He certainly can play up a little bit defensively with that gigantic ass of his. <laughs> uh, I was wondering if you were going to da- dance around no. mentioning that, but no. No, I just was was waiting to get to it. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, if you lose Danny, I don't know. Like, are you going to be able to get somebody on the buyout market at that uh, at the level of a Matisse or a Danny? My answer to that's probably no. So, yeah, I think you're right. I think if if you're looking to trade for Lowry, I'm pretty sure Matisse has to stay here. And now look, that doesn't like I see a lot of people calling pretty much everyone untouchable, which is funny because if you go go back two months, everyone they're calling untouchable right now. Uh, they were ready to run off the, the the team, which is how quickly fan sentiment can change sometimes. Matisse Thibel is not untouchable under any stretch of the imagination. It's just for a 35-year-old who may not resign in the summer and, and who you need for the stretch run, that's when it gets a little bit dicey. You know, I look, even if you can't come to an agreement with Lowry and his representatives right now, and he, you know, right now he says he wants that, I'm sure he does want it, but this is right now also when he has a chance to bargain for it. Um, you when when you're talking about acquiring a player in a trade, that's a high risk situation for a team. You have some leverage to try to get that agreed upon right now. If I'm the Sixers, even if you can't, if, if he's saying I'm not b- coming down off of 25 million a year, you say, all right, fine, we'll we'll trade for you, we'll bring you in, maybe we'll make a run to the finals in your hometown. You really like it here, and then you get to the summer and you're not being offered more than 18 million a year elsewhere anyway. Why wouldn't you come back to the place that you like and had success in and is also also offering you the most money? Uh, his agent might now might be overshooting the market for his services in the summer. You can make that gamble and also play a little bit of a sentimentality in there as well. Uh, it's a risk. There's no guarantee, but there is a chance just because he won't budge off of 25 million right now at the trade deadline doesn't mean he won't budge off of that next summer. Or he could just walk to Miami. It could play out either way. But I would still have some interest in Lowry, even if you can't come to an agreement right now. Um, and it's less interest than if you could come to an agreement right now, but it is still some interest, like I said. And it, I think he would be really good. I think he'd be really good on this team. There are a lot of uh, lot of moving targets, but I like look. I, I want. I would want to win a championship if I were the Sixers. That is that is my goal. I, the sense of urgency. I think to, for me has changed over the past couple of years. Like you, you don't know if you're going to have this sh- shot again. So yeah, to me, it, it hasn't changed as, as much as, um, as much as I like how they're playing now, he is the guy who I think can, can change their fortunes this year the most, but there are other factors and there are other players available. So there are other players. I do, too. Uh, um, I, I do acknowledge that. As you all know, by now we've teamed up with bet MGM this season. We'll be using the BetMGM lines to make all our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use the bonus code TABASKETBALL, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,000 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code TABASKETBALL, Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game. Claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 
21 plus to wager. Visit betmgm.com for terms and conditions. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Nevada, New York, and Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Colorado, D.C., Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-522-4700 in Kansas and Nevada. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. In partnership with Kansas, Crossing Casino and Hotel. In Ontario, if you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone else close to you, please contact Connects Ontario at one 866 2600 to speak to an advisor free of charge sports betting is void in georgia hawaii and utah and other states where prohibited commercial offers not available in nevada and new york don't forget if you haven't signed up for bet mgm yet use the bonus code ta basketball and you'll get a one year subscription to the athletic plus up to a one thousand dollar first bet offer on your first wager i guess that is a good pivot then like i said i'm not out on lowry uh but it, there's a there's a lot of play right now. So if you do have to pivot off of Lowry, either because Toronto's asking price gets too high, or maybe Lowry is giving you strong indications he's going to Miami in the summer anyway, uh, or the the asking price on the contract to stay in Philly is just too high, and you pivot. Some of the names that have come up, uh, like we mentioned earlier, Lonzo Ball, George Hill, uh, Norm Powell, those types of names. I guess of those three that we just mentioned, as Rich is texting on his phone, I'm not sure if you heard me. You're a pretty good multitasker, though. I think I think you've got that handled. Of those three names that I just remembered uh, mentioned, I'm going to quiz you right now. Which one do you have the most interest in in a trade? Norm Powell. You said him, right? I did. <laughs> I did say him. Well, so do you want me to go over the other two so you have the the full information to make a decision off? No, of? no, 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 no. We're, we're, we're all good. I, so to me, it, it does seem like Lonzo seems like a little more of a long shot. I mean, I, I do like that with, uh, with those play with those players, they, they all are pretty much in the same salary slot, right? Right, right around 10 yep. million. All of them. You wouldn't have to necessarily give up Danny Green. You wouldn't have to trade. give up that's Danny. A, that's nice. Yeah. That's a big consideration. And you might sure. not have to give up Matisse either. Like you, yep. we're shopping in a different aisle here. Uh, it's funny because they're all they're at different stages of their career, right? You know, you have Lonzo who potentially could give you the promise of better play in the future. You know, he's still on a rookie deal, has made pretty significant <laughs> jumps the last two seasons. Yep. But also, hey, you got to pay him next year, right? And you do it, all, all all of these guys, with the exception of George Hill, like we said, you've, you're going to have to pay next year. Yeah, and. Yeah, and with Powell, you know, having a career season, he's definitely declining that that player option of his next uh, next year. But you know, if we're we're looking along the lines of, hey, Toronto is willing to sell these guys, and maybe Lowry is a little bit of a uh, a different deal because maybe he wants to be in Miami. Maybe his salary demands are too much. I, I certainly don't think Powell would be the exact difference maker, but that dude could score. <laughs> Yeah, and what's nice about him, he's is so he's he's making I think like forty three percent of his threes on a pretty high volume. I want to say six to seven three point attempts. Six to seven. I want to make sure you hear that right. I'm not saying sixty seven, that would be really incredible. Six to seven three point attempts per game, which is high volume and high efficiency. But also that dude has some he can he can get the rim off the bounce. Yeah. Well that's attacking a closeout, coming off of a screen, a pick and roll. Um not he's not a high volume or a high uh creator in terms of his setup skills he does he's a little bit of a black hole he doesn't have great creative creativity in that regard but in terms of getting to the rim off the dribble just with his quickness and a little bit of athleticism 
The Sixers really haven't had that in quite some time. He would be the best on the team at that, I think. Uh, best that they've had since Jimmy Butler. And a real skill that I think could fit in well with Embiid. Both because he does give you, like, a lot of times when we talk about these guards over the last few years, you're either talking about a real good shooter, like J.J. Redick, like Danny Green, like Seth Curry, or a guy who can get to the rim off the dribble, like Jimmy Butler. None of them have really been able to do both. Uh, and pairing that with Embiid uh, would certainly be interesting. Like I said, not a good shot creator for others. He's not going to wow you with his creativity and his passing. And to be honest, like on his next contract, when he's no longer playing at $11 million a year and he's playing at $18 million a year or whatever it ends up being, that aspect of it, having another sort of negative passer along with Tobias would probably frustrate me. And I'm sure in a future podcast, if he's on the Sixers, we will have that conversation. But the skill sets he does have are certainly ones the Sixers could use. But also, if you if you are comfortable renting him and the and the price is less, you know that th- that could be another s- scenario where you say, hey, you know, come in here, let's see how you do. I I do think like him on the second unit would be nice. You know, you still oh yeah with uh that microwave scorer that Doc thinks he has uh, on this team, he actually would have. If you could put Ben Shake and Norm on on a second unit, that's pretty nice. Like I, I think you'd be able to create enough good shots in a way that you look at some of those all bench units where it's shake or bust. And, uh, yeah, you know, obviously that's not how it's going to look in the playoffs, but, uh, yeah, he, he, he would be nice. Um, he, he's certainly, like you said, not the greatest passer in the world, but is a surprisingly well-rounded scorer for somebody who seems pretty gettable. Um, so that's cool. Lonzo is pretty interesting to me because, yeah, He's he's got a lot of the same strengths and weaknesses in terms of creation that we talked about. Um, like he's not like a, a pick and roll guy. Like no, when he was, th- that has been the one area that I would say has transferred from his college scouting report to the pros. That said, there's a lot of different stuff now that uh, that he brings to the table. Very good defensive player. Uh, like smart off ball has size. Gives a shit would be pretty interested to watch him and Simmons play together on that end of the court transition, obviously still really good with the hit ahead passing. And the, the three point shooting is crazy. Yeah. It, because you, if you remember, if you go back to him at UCLA, he could shoot. Oh, it looked it was terrible. Fucking ugly. It was complete. And then he came out and I have his numbers here. Hold on. Let me pull up first two years. He shot. Why can't I click my basketball references and clicking right? So he shot uh, 30.5% from three in his first season, 32.9% from three in his second season, reworked his shot when he got to the Pelicans, and then 37.5% on 6.3 attempts per game and 38.5% on 7.8 three-point attempt, three attempts per game. And look, a lot of them, like he's not going to be a high-volume, off-the-dribble three-point shooter. In part because he just doesn't, he's not, he's not a threat to score coming off that pick anyway. So it's tough to have people leave you on the perimeter uh, if you're not going to get by them off the dribble. But as a catch and shoot option, and this is something we said in the scouting report, you know, go back to when he was coming into the draft. And we, we covered this pretty extensively because the Sixers had a pick right up in that range. And, you know, you started talking like, could you pair him with Ben Simmons? And I sort of thought you could if that catch and shoot game translated. I did too. I thought and it was a, I thought it was a good fit. In fact, he's more of a secondary guy. I thought right, 
Right. Like, how it's and worked. A yeah. lot of people said, well, he's a point guard. You can't pair him with Ben. Well, he doesn't, he's not going to run your half court offense all that much because of those limitations off the dribble. If that catch and shoot shot translate, then yeah, you could, because I love just putting that many high level decision makers on the court at the same time, I think is fantastic. Uh, and if he can sh- space the floor, then yeah, why? Like, I think he could work first two years. He couldn't space the floor completely reworked his jump shot. And now he's back to sort of like that baseline scouting report that we gave him coming into the NBA and he's spacing the floor again. Yeah, he would be real interesting. And look, defensively, he's not perfect either. Uh, There's a foot speed deficiency that gets to him at times. He's not like a shutdown one-on-one, but sort of some of that high-level decision-making that shows up in his passing also shows up on the defensive side of the court. He can roam off the ball. He can make good, good gambles. He has good length and good instincts. He would be really interesting and really interesting because what is he like 20 23 he just turned 23 uh last fall so he's young he fits a good timeline alongside of simmons now the concern the concern is that contract well the concern first of all is new orleans asking price i think he might end up being it's tough to say because if they have no interest in bringing him back because of that contract maybe maybe the asking price isn't crazy but the asking price could end up being more than any of these other options and, and Powell and certainly George Hill. It's going to be more in George Hill. The nice thing about George Hill is you can probably get him for a second round pick mm-hmm. or, or maybe two. Um, but I'm, a, I'm, I'm, I'm still a little bit hesitant on Lonzo's next contract because you're not going to get him cheaply. And especially someone like if, let's say hypothetically, if this season was a mirage and he's not this good of a player, I don't think it is because you have two seasons of strong shooting to go back on. But if it was, if this was a high watermark of his career, well, that's a really bad time to have a high watermark because you're going to pay him on an enormous contract coming off of a rookie scale contract to to keep him for five years. Uh, there is certainly risk to that. But age, defensive ability, space the floor, high level decision making. I don't think this year is going to be a mirage for Lonzo, but he is one shooting slump away from really frustrating you. I like the way his shot looks, man. I, I can't. It looks a lot better. I can't but emphasize I, I believe- how much like. That's an yeah. amazing transformation. His shot was jacked up. I mean, it was like a stupid little flick from the side of his. It was one of the craziest things I've ever seen. I don't know how he was taught that, I, but and like, look, Levar Ball obviously did a lot right in terms of like just getting his kids to play this crazy style. But when they got to the NBA, they they had jacked up shots, and it's been even like what Lamelo's looks like from a couple years ago is in. It's one of the best shooting uh like fixes i've ever seen you know it's yeah i i go back to when basically when when me and you started talking about this like back to like the evan turner era right like i remember him like working with herb mcgee and yeah trying to fix that shot nowhere yeah and you know he he had a couple good seasons he cashed in on that one big contract but it's much easier said than done for for players at this stage of their basketball career with their I mean look at how much time they they, they put into Nerlens. He can't shoot. Ben, no, that that's a different conversation. We don't need to have that one. Uh, and then you have someone like Joel Embiid who didn't shoot at all at Kansas and now he's got really sweet touch for a 7 foot 2. It's it's really it it's it's tough. You can't it's tough to predict. But yeah, I agree. I think I think he's turned a corner. I do. To uh get past all of that bad muscle memory and have a just a really economical shot too. It's, it's, it's nice. It's, um, it does help when you're shooting with the right hand though. It is. It does. We're kidding. We're kidding. We don't need to get into that debate. That's true. So yeah, I I guess the, the thing for him though, you would have to resign him if, if you're going to, uh, 
to bring him in. I mean, this is one where it might cost you Maxi and Thibault and the pick. Uh, I think this could end up being a, a decent bidding war because I think somebody will trade for him. Not just like right now, when you start looking at Kyle Lowry, you're only looking at contenders I'm not- and you're only looking at, at teams that can bring him back and that he'll want to come back. When you're looking at Lonzo, someone will acquire him for his bird rights and the chance to match that next contract and have him in restricted free agency. Uh, so I think the market for this one will be pretty substantial. Yeah, and that's not something I would be comfortable doing. You know, the, the goal here is still to win a championship. And to be fair, I did look at Lonzo's career. Like, he's never been on a good team before, but his teams are always better when he plays. So, you know, I don't want to hold that against him. That said, I'm not comfortable anointing him as a 23-year-old as the missing piece, especially when, like, to give up Maxi and, and Thibel, I, I I'm not sure I would be as comfortable doing that. It just seems like you're trying to do too many things here. Like you're trying to win now, but maybe not with the yeah. right piece. And uh, it is, it is straddling that line between win now and acquire future piece a little bit, because I think you're going to have to give up so much. That being said, keeping Danny green would, would be big too. Yeah. Although that being said, they still would need somebody to create off the dribble in the half court. There's a lot of factors <laughs> sort of at play here. It'd be fun. I, I agree with you. The, the passing and the decision-making is, the the idea of that would be a lot of fun, but yeah, you're also not going to throw him the ball in a pick and roll like you would no. even do with Kyle Lowry. You know, like we said, like is Lowry the type of guy who you're comfortable creating in late game situations? The answer to that's like you're probably more comfortable than some of the guys that they have, but he's certainly not the the hardened level of player. Lonzo's not even right. on his level, so no, that's a that's an interesting one though. I, I certainly I uh, uh, I love the way that dude sees the game though. Yeah. I love it. I love it. I would I would probably if he ever got traded here, I'd probably overrate him just because I loved uh that archetype of player. Uh all right, what about uh we spoke a little bit about Norm Powell and he's an he is an interesting one uh, because he is still young enough, 27, you can bring him back. He could be here during the remainder of Embiid's prime really. Uh and I do think he would be a good fit. I do think he's probably going to end up being overpaid. Difference for me, if we're talking like a 13 to $15 million contract on that next contract, I'm all in. Uh, I would give up a significant amount to get him. Uh, I think even if he is going to frustrate me at times with his, uh, you know, ball dominance or lack of creativity and really some defense because he's he's only 6'3", uh, I'll live with that at a 13 to $15 million price range. If we start getting into the 18 to 22 per year, that's when I really start getting nervous. Uh, because I think not, not again, not because of Josh Harris's luxury tax bill. I don't really give two shits about that. I give, I, I do care about how that will impact his future decisions, uh, but I don't really care about whether or not he, uh, you know, he has to sell a yacht or something. What I do care about though, is the tradability of that contract. If things don't work out, if you need to package that to move, uh, find a better fit or a higher impact player, you want that Norm Powell contract to be tradable. And in the, you start getting north of 20 or even approaching 20. I'm not sure it is at least for positive value. If it could be, you know, he, I think he has a $11 million option for next year, somewhere in that range. If we're only talking a slight increase, like maybe a, a like I said, 13 to 15, 13 to $16 million range. Uh, but you give him some long-term flexibility uh, or, or assurance in the, in that contract. Then I think that contract is tradable and, and what I'd be willing to offer moves up. Um, but I'm, I'm real worried about that contract. I'm, I'm worried about that contract. Well, if also, if you're, if you're North of 20, 
then it might just make sense to go get Lowry. Yeah. It, sure. it, if he's only going to command, you know, 25 million or whatever it is. So, yeah, that would be, uh, then look, his next contract's a big deal. All right, let's go George Hill. I mean, he's, he's, he's the easy one because he's not going to cost much in terms of current prospects, really anything. Now you're not going to have to lose a contributor in Danny Green or in um, Matisse Thibel. You're not going to have to lose a long-term prospect in Tyrese Maxey. And you're probably not going to have to lose any of your first-round picks. So I think the reason, like, he is, if all of these guys, the the higher-profile guys that we're talking about, end up, you get get cold feet on, he, to me, is a very sensible fallback plan because he can help you now. And I do think he can help you now. I think he's got enough left in the tank uh, to, to do that. Uh, while not costing you much more. It's, it's just, he would be a a rental, um, which at that price, you know, Mike Scott, Vincent Poirier, uh, a second round pick, maybe even two second round picks. I'm okay with a rental because like you're trying to, you, you don't have to make that decision of, are you acquiring someone like Lonzo to build around long-term or to have as a piece long-term, not that you'd build around him or are you acquiring him to make a run right now? You You know what you're getting here. You're getting a run right now and you do need to prioritize that. I, I like him as an option quite a bit, actually. You you end up with um, George Hill and a big. I mean, Bielitsa is the one that everyone's going to go to because he could get bought out. But if you can get George Hill and Bielitsa, that's fine. Would I make them the favorite over Brooklyn? Probably not, but I think they'll be a better team for sure. Yeah, and, you know, they would be slightly improving on the the chance that they have now, which is... Yeah. The the current group is maybe better than we think, and do yeah. I wouldn't make them the favorite, but they look. I, I, their stock has gone up in my in my eyes over the past. Uh, well, the problem is Brooklyn's stock keeps going up too. They, they just they don't lose games anymore. They keep winning with like one of those three guys, which is pretty scary. They're uh, they're pretty good. Um. Yeah. No. I I would like Hill. I just you know he's he's dealt with some injuries this year, so you, you would have to make sure that. Uh, you're pretty confident he can he can come back from those, but I mean last year that guy was gonna miss a shot the the entire yeah. year, and that would uh, that would certainly help the Sixers. Would give him another option late in games to uh, to play as well as kind of a uh, an an off ball guard who can uh, who can shoot it. You, you mentioned Bielita. Is it uh is it surprising to you that we're not hearing quite as much buzz on the the stretch five? I, I almost feel like we talk about that more than the national reporters. Like we see that as a fairly glaring hole, um, you know? Well, I mean, when, especially when you look at the Sixers backup centers, like you've got Dwight Howard, who's played well for a backup center this year. And you've got Tony Bradley. He's the greatest player in the like world. The, right. He, he's on a pretty incredible run right now. Uh, he, he certainly looks like a capable backup center. Uh, soft hands, soft touch, good positionally defensively. Uh, he has been, and obviously really good on the glass. I think a lot of people look at that and say, well, they've got two good centers. Why do they need to prioritize that? And you, I still do You know think why they need to prioritize it? Did you watch the Knicks game on Sunday night yeah. when they played Simmons, Steibel, and Howard? And people's, people told, I mentioned that on Twitter, and people were like, well, there's a guy named Joel Embiid who's going to play at the end of the game. Yeah, yeah, fine. I get that. But even for like 10 minutes, 12 minutes in a playoff series, if your offense sucks against a locked-in defense, and Ben Simmons is just not 
really attacking yeah. at all because he's looking at a paint that is completely clogged. And look, the thing about the playoffs is the other team's rotations tighten up as well. You're not going to be playing against all bench units or mostly bench units like you did against the Bucks in the playoffs. You need to be executing at a higher level. I agree. I think it is still a need. I am a little bit surprised that we haven't heard too much of that. Um, but there also just aren't as many names on the market for a stretch five, especially with PJ Tucker off the board. And I mean, Bielitz is just not like you're not going to get as much interest if you report about Bielitz right now as you will if you talk about Kyle Lowry. So I think discussion naturally goes towards that. Um, to me, they need they yeah, need that. I, I, I agree. I agree. Especially with Batiste looking more playable. Uh, and look, I still have my concerns in the playoffs, but he, he certainly looks more playable now than he did earlier. Uh, that takes a little bit of the wing defense, wing contributions off the bench, off the table. Uh, I do still think you need a, a, a stretch fight. Even if it's not, even if maybe in the playoffs you have Tony Bradley in your rotation, just having that option to have a stretch five would be enormous. You need to be able to pivot away from that quickly. And right. to me, the the best chance for the Sixers to be, you know, going to the finals or advancing as far as possible, that involves Ben Simmons for like 12 minutes a game being on a rampage like we saw in that uh, in that road Utah game. And uh, uh, that, to me, he needs space to do that. So, Yep, I agree. All right, so let's end this podcast with two questions. First of all, if you were to say, I think this is the best move for the Sixers, or I think this is the one that gets them closest to beating the Brooklyn Nets, which one are you looking for? If it's Maxi and a draft pick, Lowry. Yeah. Even, even with losing uh, Danny, I think that is... That is true. If you had to pivot to one of them, one of the remaining options, if Lowry's off the table, which one do you think brings them closest to a championship? Depends on the price. That's where yeah, it gets depends tougher. On, depends That's on the price, too. Uh, probably in a vacuum, the championship this year, I, I kind of think it's Norm Powell, believe it or not. I Yeah, I think I might. And, and look, there's a lot of people who I think will well actually Norm Powell because he does. he has very <laughs> obvious and... Legitimate and he sucked weaknesses. in that playoff series a couple years ago. I can't believe the Raptors won that yeah. playoff series. They have like all NBA guys who are just awful in that series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I do think his skill set would be really, really. Uh, look, when you can shoot that efficiently on that volume of three pointers and get to the rack off the dribble and get to the rack off of a screen, I think he would. I think he would help them. I mean, just in terms of what the Sixers need, he would be a really good fit. I do worry defensively how they would make all of those. Um, you know, the shake, Dan, uh, uh, Seth Curry, Norm Powell trio, but you've got Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. You'll figure it out. Uh, all right. Uh, and, and the final one, uh, which one do you think will happen? I tend to think it'll be a little less than Lowry. Just, uh, just reading the tea leaves here. Um, yeah, I, I think the more likely one, I, I, I don't know, but, uh, I, I would say it's, uh. <laughs> I think Norm Powell. Yeah, let's go with Norm Powell. That's my prediction. I would I would be okay with I I, I look I, there are aspects of Norm Powell's game. I, really I think like. it's I think it's Norm Powell will, or George Hill would be the the two. I, yeah, I think I would, Lonzo's a little more of a long shot just because you're getting into compensation issues and uh, and also timeline issues too. So yeah, and also market. Like I think I, I just think there will be more teams that will be interested in him. Uh, I will say that I think George Hill is the yeah. most likely. In part because I am pessimistic, but in part, in part because it's just that is the, the move of the least consequence to it. Um, both both good and bad, 
quite frankly. Um, I think it's a, a reasonable short-term addition for very little long-term. Uh, and I think that makes it the most likely. But we will see, uh, like I said, pretty much right exactly 24 hours now until the trade deadline is here. Should be something. Uh, you expect that Daryl will make a move or maybe even multiple moves. It probably will be one that none of us are <laughs> expecting. So keep your eyes open. A lot could happen. We will cut that off here. Thank you, Rich, for jumping on. And we will talk to you soon.